Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head behind Iraqi lines this week with Tom Kleeg's 1999 Gulf War epic, Bravo 2-0. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yep. And Nate. I don't like the green ones. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so guys, what'd you think? Mm, uh, I was surprised. I was a little caught off guard with this one. Yep. Not what I was expecting. <laughs> Good or bad? Uh, well, you know, um, it's interesting. I was I, I didn't know anything about it going into it. And there's a number of movies we've done like that. Um, and uh, the once it got to the POW stuff and I kind of realized, wait a minute, this is kind of what the movie is going to be. I was surprised by I was not expecting that. And again, I don't know the true story about this. So it was very fresh to me. And um, I thought it was I thought there was a lot of kind of neat things about it. Um, I didn't think I didn't love it at all, but uh, I had I thought I had some kind of good stuff going on in it um, just to kick it off. Yeah, like, yeah, just I'm, I don't regret seeing it. Yeah, it's not it's not Tank Boy. No, no, it's not Tank Boy. Yeah. <laughs> if you, I don't know, if you really love The Clash, you'll love this movie. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, in the first five minutes of the movie, there's like four Clash songs. I'm like, oh boy. I am, I am, I am kind of, um, I am kind of, of interested in like the fact that they were able to get so much like real music in that. Like 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 of the time music yeah, like that's yeah, very in interesting tonight, yeah. yeah like I I I was I was kind of thrown away by that because most BBC productions I believe this was a BBC production uh, don't quote me on it but I, I think it was and uh, it most of those productions don't really have the budget to kind of go on like copyrighted music in that sense of like you know actually like album music but right. um I I'll go next just real quick is that I I think. I'm of the same mindset with Michael's. Like, I don't know that much about this subject. I just know that it's a movie and that I was not expecting all the prison stuff near the tail end of the movie. That actually was a, a complete shock to me in that sense of, I was not expecting all that. Um, but it was, uh, I, I know that through some conversation with Brian and stuff like that, it's like, you know, I know that it's not a hundred percent accurate, obviously, but you know, it's, 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 I, I, it reminded me of the same production level of Ungentlemanly Act, but like a gear up from that. Mm, it's funny, dude. I got kind of the same. I was thinking the same kind of thing. I'm like, for some yeah. reason, like I'm getting a, a um, yeah, a vibe from that. A gem of a movie. That movie, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Well, uh, it, you notice there are, there are the same actors from that that are in this. A lot yeah. of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, wait, just to and, interject. And, uh, well, no, just real quick. I yep. just talking mm-hmm. off characters. Harry Walsh from Band of Brothers is in this. That's uh, oh, the guy shit. with the mustache. Yeah, because yeah. that guy's British in real life. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I was like, "That's fuck." That's Harry Walsh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, in for my, all you bob nerds. Yeah. In yeah. my nates, I said it reminds me of an ungentlemanly act with uh, a better budget, but with less plot and less direction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like you know, it was and, and, know, it was a bar ahead in some ways, but it was a bar below in others. I was gonna say so. in in effects, it was a bar mm. below. And oh, I think yeah. they replaced that with location. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, but sorry, where did they film this? Where did they, where did they film this? By the way, um, South Africa, I think. I'll double check. Let me see Oops. here. Yeah, it could look like South Africa. Yeah. Um, I think I saw in the credits South Africa. Yeah, there's some parts of South Africa that definitely look like this. But, like, I just want to make sure. Filming location. If I can remember how to type. Yeah, well, you can remember how to type. It's, it's a spicy time to be in South Africa in late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time to make a movie. Even spicier now, but hey. Yeah, Northern yeah. Cape, South Africa. And up, Uppington. Uppington. Oh, so yeah, it's up... Yeah, they've got like some very arid regions up there. Yeah, so that's th- nice. Okay, cool. Because it it actually looked a lot like Iraq. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it really did look a lot like because I wasn't in northern Iraq. I was in central, like near uh, right in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. But like the um the the kind of soil they had and like the the you know, it's the dry formations of sand that form after rain, which would happen in the winter months, um, looked very identical to Iraq. So, so what, was it your job to upload all the information to the, like, you know, files cables for the scuds when you were in Baghdad? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wrong war, it. Brian. War, wrong oh, war. Shit. Sorry. Oh, I sorry. Your job. You looked like a golf war. Yeah, yeah. Dude, no, I was, I was like, I was like four months old when this fucking war happened. Like, <laughs> Jesus, you weren't even born yet, Brian. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's what happens when you cross over thirty-three. Everyone looks like they fought in the Gulf War. So you know. <laughs> Thanks, I, well, asshole. No, <laughs> dude. No, in the comments on my YouTube, they're like, "Oh God, I've never seen such an old-looking PFC," my. and I'm like. A, the uniform was done with in 2019. B, I've been out for 12 years. I'm just wearing it for an example of how shitty UCP is. Like, ugh. Yeah, my, yeah. my buddy's father passed away recently, unfortunately. And it was their long battle of an illness. And long story short, we were going through stuff. And we found photos from 1991 at a Gulf War rally. To rally people to go, to, you know, oh, to war in the Gulf, <laughs> and he's like, there was to go to war. He's got a, yeah, yeah, to war ninety one, and like his father's got a huge like fuck Saddam shirt on with like a huge beard, like two schlitzes, and like he's holding both his kids on his shoulders, and I'm like, that's America, like so, you know. <laughs> I uh, I'm a diehard Simpsons fan, uh, like ninety <laughs> Simpsons, and uh, one thing I once discovered was that in the early nineties, when when the the Gulf War was happening, there were lots of bootlegged uh, Bart Simpson uh, yeah. anti-Saddam t-shirts going on <laughs> that yeah. were being spread throughout. And I, I found a number of them on eBay. They're hilarious. Well, there's the uh, Bart Simpson um, psyop. There was like a, there was a psyop from the Iraqis that was like a, you know, one of those little uh, cards they would drop on the U.S. troops and stuff. And it was mm-hmm. from Bart Simpson saying that, oh, he will pay you to go back to America. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> I, need to, I need to look that up. Yeah, they thought Bart Simpson was a person. So they like, shorts. They, yeah, they literally were just like, yeah. and, and Bob, Bob Simpson, the American, says that war is wrong. And it's like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> tell me you don't understand my shit. culture without telling me you don't understand my culture. They all know? knew we were dumb fucks back then, though, if you think about it. He lives at like, the Van Halen mansion. Yes, you know, why do you do that? <laughs> I'm trying to look that up right now. Uh, Brian and Mike haven't gone yet, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I just did, right? Kinda, do, yeah, but do it but again. La- but yeah, but launch into your real one. Um, launch that okay. scud. So, <laughs> launch that scud. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking god. Right. So, yes. 
no, it was um, for Desert Storm. Like, I, I know a lot of U.S. guys that were involved in Desert Storm, and I actually met a guy when I was in Iraq that was a British guy who was in Desert Storm as well. And um, it's it was a bunch of bullshit that went on, and these guys, SAS guys, they were thrown in there during Desert Shield. That's the thing is, like, people have to realize that it was two different operations. Desert Shield lasted, like, was it almost nine months in Saudi Arabia where they were building up troops and it was just this, this cock fighting contest of like, yeah, we can build these, these, these troops. There was guys from fucking the UK fucking everywhere, like NATO countries. It was a coalition effort. France, they were even there. Yeah, I know. Believe it or not. Never fight. Only dropped once. <laughs> um, but, uh, so everybody was there and, and then, um, before Desert Storm happened, they sent a lot of these uh, special operations units, like the SAS and the SEALs and everything, in and especially forces, into Iraq to cut off supply lines and do whatever. Like in this film, um, they're tasked to cut off um, uh, fiber optic cables that were going to direct the Scud missiles coordinates, right? That's one very realistic thing. Um that's never talked about at all. It's always about Desert Storm, the ferocious 96-hour fucking battle. But Desert Shield, there was shit going on behind the scenes, and that's why I did like this for showing that kind of aspect of it. Like, during Desert Shield, there were still guys going in there with absolutely zero support because their technology for communication sucked back then. And it's like... So they, they were going in there. They were trying to, like, sabotage um, all these Scud missile sites, all this shit, uh, oil fields and whatnot. Um, and then Desert Storm happens, which they did show in the film, which we'll get to. But, like, it's like, yeah, before that, there were still people suffering and doing their thing on the ground, fighting with the Iraqi army, which at that time was the fifth largest standing army in the fucking world. So I have some issues with the film with that and how they portrayed them. And we'll get to that. But like, it's, um, again, I like that they brought attention to this kind of very niche aspect of Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So, Brian. Yeah, no, very well put. It was a very big two-part battle that nobody ever really realizes, you know. The, the reason that Desert uh, Storm went so well is because Desert Shield went so well, you know. There are always two parts. But that being said, I heard about this movie probably 15 years ago, back when I was working at um, this museum. And uh, there was a volunteer there who was super-duper into, like, British stuff and modern stuff. And eventually he was like, oh, I came in one day and he was like, have you ever seen, you know, Bravo 20? And we we're like, no. So we ended up watching it. And, uh, you know, it was interesting at the time. And then inevitably the truth came out, <laughs> you know, and this is a very interesting movie and it's a very interesting book. I know that this movie follows the book, the, uh, sorry, the books very closely because there are two good ones or from two of the members. And yeah, after the fact, you know, come to find that most of it's bullshit. Um, yes, there was a patrol that was full of SAS guys with Andy McNabb that went to Iraq. And that's about it. And they got captured. <laughs> like, other than that, along the way, and I can get into it, 
uh, as we talk about it, you know, it really went differently than was portrayed both, you know, in the narrative and in the movie. Um, but no, it's very good for what it is. You know, uh, it's very that late nineties esque of like a BBC program. Like, uh, Nate had brought up earlier. It's like, um, an ungentlemanly act, but you know, just more polished in, in some ways. Um, no, it's a very interesting movie, and it's one that I've always thought of throughout the years. Even, you know, the way that they show this is like, oh, it's this is the most decorated British patrol since the Boer War in 100 years. And it's two years before 9-11. <laughs> you know, so it's like, just to think about what was about to happen. So putting this movie in that context, it's a very interesting film. You know, in a way, this is the British um, behind enemy lines, you know. This is mm. like, you're right on that cusp of the Y2K, you know, like this is our most recent military achievement or whatever that we want to put on a podium. And it's like, oh, sweet summer child, only if you knew it was about to come, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. But, um, no, it's, it's a very good movie for what it is. And, you know, it's, I think it's very well cast. I think that's it's, the best thing it has going for it. It's interesting you know? that you say, um, how inaccurate it really is because the guy who, the Sean Bean character, Andy McNabb is a real person. I'm pretty sure it said his name was included in the screenwriting credits. Like I think they said it, when the credits rolled up, I think when it said written by, he was one of the names in it. If I'm I'll not mistaken. Up, I'll pull it up here real quick. Hold okay. On. So it's like shit, dude. Like this guy is, uh, you know, if that's the case, this guy is really, you know, making shit up for Hollywood sake or whatever, you know, or B BBC sake. Sorry. <laughs> Of the eight that went on the patrol, four survived. <laughs> of the four, two wrote books. Of the two that wrote books, one was optioned for a movie. Of the option for a movie, a Tropic Thunder. Again, it's like, yes. it's crazy how things become things. Right. And again, it was so quick. This was eight years and changed, nine years yep. after the yep. the events happened. The doc that I watched was from 01, 2000, you know, like. Again, it was just so fresh. It was within a decade that this book blew up, you know, and everything happened. So it just takes a while to fact check people. You know, it wouldn't be the first time, unfortunately, this has happened. Um, yeah, definitely. But, not. Well, and also, they didn't they didn't have the internet like we have it now. Like they had it. Yes, of course, I remember that. Like Windows ninety eight, <laughs> right? Ninety five, if you're lucky. Uh, but like, um, they didn't have it. So like. It's like, so when, when, when we all did the uh, podcast of Jonesy about the outpost, right? That was immediate response. He could get to us in an immediate response and immediately do that. And he did that, uh, like, fact-checking and shit, like, before he'd even talked to us. Now, in 1999, that would have been a lot more difficult to do. And so it's like, yeah, even in that short amount of time... Uh, things have changed so much is like, yeah. So if somebody was there, so if Andy McNabb, right, were to be on social media now and he decided to do a podcast with us, right, you know, hypothetically, we could get his side of the story faster than like people that were writing books and like um, uh, looking at the biographies and autobiographies back then could have. And so it's like, yeah, you can't blame them, but things do get fucked up and they get misinterpreted at, at the same time though i feel like you have to give it a like a little bit of clearance on either side like 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 just i was looking at a lot of his book writing 
after this. Like he had a lot of book writing other than Bravo Two Zero, and he apparently worked on Heat and Battlefield Three and like a bunch of stuff. I feel like unless it is marketed or sworn. Now I haven't done the. I just was skimming it, so I, I'm going to do keep going on that. But I feel like if this is just like his life experience that he's just making into like a fiction. And it's never once said like, this is exactly what fucking happened. Right. Like, I feel like then that's given a little bit of space and a little bit of clearance, unless someone's going out and defending, like, this is exactly how it happened. This is exactly what, how everything went down. This is why I have these scars. Like, like if you're, if you're like Jesse Ventura, like, like, Oh, governor of Michigan. Like, if you're going out, don't and like, get me started, yeah, there, Nathan. Yeah, if you're going out there and doing that, like, then I feel like we should it should be accounted for in terms of like this is bullshit. But it might, but from what I'm looking at, it looks like he's written a lot of ba- loosely, like based on the story of kind of writing where they have that huge fucking liberty to stuff. Yeah, and so it's interesting. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like. So do you take your experience and do you monetize it pre monetization phase? Right. And then just keep going with that, or what's going on? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a very interesting point. Yeah, I, I yeah, because because I'm looking at a lot of stuff, and it looks like you know he also has done like there's more things based on his stuff, but like I'm 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 trying to find more of his fiction writing and stuff like that because it looks like uh, he wrote like let's let Brian speak. He, he's been he's been. Yeah, sorry, I've my, cut, my, cut, my, my, cut, sorry, my screen wasn't up. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, I've cut him off too. So on uh, some stuff, yeah. So it's interesting you say that, Mike, about you know the old world, <laughs> in a way, because in my mind, you know, like eighty nine to two thousand seven is one block of history, you know, up to the from the end of the Cold War until the beginning of the smartphone, you know, that is its own version of time. So you know, in ninety nine or ninety one, whenever you want to say it was email was just as or as reliable as physical mail you know like 2000 mm-hmm. like you could today you send an email but 2000 it's like yeah you know depending on the person like you're you, one you might get back a lot quicker than the other so it's this again funny time like you said to get well you can you also know, bullshit like you just like you just brought up you can bullshit in physical mail oh yeah very true you can bullshit and so time. Yeah, so okay, that's a good point. Yeah, very good point. But um, it's just it's just interesting yeah. how the world was back then, you know, because I know they did a lot of the stuff for uh, um, Band of Brothers. It was a lot of it was like phone calls that were co- that were recorded for stuff. Like so, guys would mm. like you know call like Dick Winters and like tell me what you did, you know, like, yeah, okay, know you, know, yeah. you know, like sixteen hours of. So was Ambrose about... involved with that? Yeah, he was. Yep. Okay. Because that yeah. was a big thing. Because before it came out, the, the whole thing. This is a whole tangent. Shouldn't get on, but long story short, the guy that killed all the POWs, uh, uh, Spears, Spears. Spears. Yep. So there was a thing about the whole, you know, the lawyers wanted to make sure that that he signed a statement saying that you know either it happened or it didn't, so that they would protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And long story short, Winters just called him up and has him on the phone saying, "Oh yeah, that, yeah, I shot that sergeant, and oh yeah, I shot all those guys. Yeah, I did yep. that, no problem. So, well, yeah. I'll sign anything you need me to do." That was a big part of, like, whatever, some law fucking shit for Banner Brothers. But, yeah, it literally was 2000, 2001, just, like, phone calls that were recorded. Yeah. Um, yep. But, no, it's interesting. Most people that write stuff about their history only write one book or memoir. Like Audie Murphy or a million other ones. Lawrence of Arabia. You know, they say everyone has one good book in them or one book in them. 
if you're writing more than one book, it just goes to show me you're a good writer, which means that you probably have embellished a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. Um, I only say that, too, because the more that I make films, the more I write, and the more I do things, the more I realize that you have to embellish. So that life is just... Everyday situations in life aren't dramatic enough to make a movie out of them. So as much as it sucks, you really do, in some events, have to embellish them and make it so that it makes sense. And watching two Brian, people do stupid things in life are just fucking yeah. stupid. Another point, Brian, that I'll, I'll supplement your conversation with is people who are in those situations cannot always remember everything exactly how they fucking were. What, do you remember what you ate for fucking dinner in 2010, June 25th? Yes, it was ham and eggs. Yeah, right. No, it wasn't. Um, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it like was chicken that day. No. There, there are certain things you can remember. You can remember, like, the, the meat and bones of what happened, but the details tend to get a bit embellished. Yeah, mind is, the mind is unreliable, dude, you know? So, yeah. And, well, it's not a primary that's source. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's a secondary source. Mm-hmm. And it should be treated as such. And it's not like it's invalid, but it's like it's a secondary source. And I think with this one, um, getting back on, like, the first Gulf War, like these guys, these SAS guys going in, they, their, their job was to uh, eliminate Scud missile positions, the mobile ones, right? And they never got to do that, which is cool. I liked that the fact that they never showed them actually fucking doing that because they couldn't. They didn't. Whatever. Things got fucked up. Um, however, what that you've researched, uh, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, like, trying to, like, interrogate you. I'm just, like, asking ask, ask a question. Is like, what have you researched that is bullshit from what was shown in the film? Most of it. So it's very interesting. You know, SAS, uh, the SAS has always been known to go in with Land Rovers and be on vehicles and live out of vehicles. And that's the thing they've done since their inception with, uh, they didn't use Jeeps. Desert Rats, They actually used, uh, the Desert Rats were different. Desert Rats were the LRDG. Was that not the predecessor? The Desert, no. So the Desert Rats were actually the 8th Armored Division. That was the British 8th Armored Division that fought okay. the, in Libya and yep. in Operation Compass in the early parts of yep. the North Africa campaign. That's where they got their nickname. The LRDG, the Long Range Desert Group, the guys that just fucking watch roads, those were the guys that have the scorpion cactus and everything. Very distinctive. Totally different. They had to steal their Jeeps from the SAS when the SAS gave away the Jeeps they didn't want anymore because nobody gave a shit about the LRDG. The SAS was this like Royal Air Force thing that was made to attack German airfields in North Africa. So that was the idea. So the SAS started out, and they're like, cool, here's a bunch of Jeeps from America. Go blow shit up. And they put a bunch of Vickers K-guns on them because they needed to put something on them that for machine guns, but they couldn't get regular machine guns because supply issues, so they took the K-guns off of British bombers. And that's why they used them. This is a supply issue. Yeah, they literally took them off fucking planes. Damn. So, and they also have a triple the rate of fire, usually because they're made to fly, you know, or being a plane that's flying, so you don't have to worry about you know, overheating the barrel. So K-guns are fucking awesome. There's not too many that are still alive. Anyway, long story short, that's what the SCS, that's why they were made. And they were very famous for having pink Land Rovers that they would drive everywhere and they would do reconnaissance with. Well, this is the only mission in SAS history, really, where they didn't use vehicles. And it shows. So long story short, in the movie, when they have the team in the Wadi and they have their lookout point and everything, and... Um, they, uh, you know, are talking about the whole the shepherd boy that comes and finds him and everything. 
Yeah, there was a shepherd boy, and there was a guy that got close, but he didn't see them. The reason that they knew they were there is because a fucking helicopter landed eight British soldiers 200 meters away from a house. And this documentary I went to, they went to the location, and they met the family, and they were like, yeah, a helicopter landed, like, right there. And we were like, told the authorities about it. The fucking helicopter landed in my backyard. So the whole thing about the boy is bullshit. That didn't happen. The other thing is that they didn't get into a firefight in the wadi. They got compromised. Like, the police showed up. And they're like, oh, shit, we should get out of here. And they just left. And the problem was is that they they didn't tell the group which way they were going. Because there was the original plan. They were either going to go to Saudi Arabia or they were going to go to Syria. And McNabb apparently through some course of events, didn't tell them, and they got split up. So half the group ended up going one way, the other half the group ended up going the other way. And it just kept spiraling and continuing. So very long story short, it was eight dudes that just happened to get compromised and make a very bad chain of decisions off of a very increasingly bad chain of events in January during the winter. And... They didn't have any thermals. It was just a very bad patrol in a very harsh environment. And, like, the Iraqis just kind of, like, you know, showed up at certain times and took him prisoner. Like, when they took McNabb prisoner, they said that he handed him the rifle. He was like, please, I'm done. Like, so, and they didn't shoot anybody at the checkpoint. That was bullshit. Um, no, it just seems like a failed patrol. That whole and, uh, checkpoint scene, that just turned into action movie to me. Yeah, there exactly. was a lot yep, of points exactly. in this movie that did that. So yeah. the movie yep. is very correct to the source material it was given. But the source material is just... In reality, it was a very badly planned, executed patrol where they ended up succumbing to the environment and the harsh realities of living in a desert 200 kilometers away from where they needed to be. So they succumbed to it. That's what happened. That's not a good story. It's a very bad story. For example, you guys have probably heard of the Macon Atoll raid during the Second World War. When Marine raiders went and they killed a whole garrison of Japanese soldiers on this island, right? That's the propaganda story. The real story is that the guy that was leading them was incompetent. They came in at the wrong time in the tides. All their boats got destroyed. They only killed half the garrison. There was like three Jap snipers running around. And the guy wanted to surrender. They couldn't get off the island for two days. He left eight Marines behind because, whoops, they all got beheaded. That was actually in Unbroken. They have the guys put their names on the wall. Um, it was a complete fucking horror show. Clusterfuck. Like, the guy should have lost his commission over it. Carlson was his name. What happens? They fucking make gung-ho and they get more Marines to join. So, you know, the reality of these facts is way different, really, than the propagandized version of it or the lie, the version that's embellished through whatever thing you know but no this was just in reality from what i could tell it was a poorly executed and planned patrol that just succumbed to its own poor planning but that doesn't sell you know yeah and that i mean i mean that 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 makes sense with some of the you know like you said like it seems like they followed the 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 written um account obviously because that's what was kosher and you know like when it, you apply that to the story whenever it's the real story these guys are in the sas and they're going to iraq it's cool because it is it's real definitive stuff that they that happened that they can rely on and show and then when it's bullshit that they killed 250 iraqis they say in the book in that wadi in the attack it's eight fucking dudes in the middle of a field with like a fucking iraqi artillery piece made up to be a bmp 
And then, fuck it. Well, actually, it did have a real BMP at one point, too. And then, like, a fucking BTR-60 with a 50 cal on it. It's like, what the fuck? Like, this is a fake battle that never happened. And you're now making a really bad version of a fake battle that never happened. Like, if you're gonna lie, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, be Rambo, like, just go left field. But again, they had a f- they had fake events to recreate that they had to follow and recreate. So, you know, it's a really bad interpretation of something that never happened. So obviously it looks like shit. You know, hence eight dudes in the middle of a field with fucking they look like great SAS soldiers. Dude, but dude, they're shooting those at guys, like nothing. If they if they'd have been honest to like the Iraqi army at that time, again, I'll get into this in a little bit. But like, uh, if they were facing the Iraqi army with as much guys as they had, and they had fucking eight guys, and they all had, which is, I don't know the SAS's SOP. I don't I don't I don't know that. But like, you guys have saws and fucking M16s with two hundred threes. That's it. What? Like, do you know anything about that, Brian? No, I think they were pretty correct. You know, saws and laws, that kind of shit. They wouldn't have any really. So they they didn't have saws and M sixteen with two hundred threes. Yeah, that's it. As yeah. as as, as uh, sorry, SAS guys, stroke victim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they'd be you minis or whatever the hell they call them. <laughs> but yeah, no, the mini mag is a fucking saw. It's it, that's what I know, it but what, it's so, the nineties term for it. You know what I mean? But, well, no, they were saws because they had the fucking hand grips on them. But anyway, um. So they would have saws and M16s with 203s as SAS guys. Yeah. Because I'm asking you, I don't know. Yeah. He's saying yes. Why would they go with a fucking 14 and a half pound? <laughs> Michael. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're being, we're, we're being, we're being, we're being smart asses. It's fine. Yeah, you fuckers. Of course you are. Well, um, we're just sitting, so, I'm sitting here eating a fucking salad. Like, I'm just sitting here just yeah, listening. Yeah, why, why? Yeah, fucking a fucking fat salad. Hey, but like, um, hey, you so saw my ass have... in HBTs. It needs to happen, okay? <laughs> it, it does, actually. It, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, I told Nate, it's like HBT can look like it's squeezed out of a toothpaste. Oh, tube God. Sometimes. I I, I'm, I look like, like I, I swear Dude, here's the thing is, I'm in somewhat good shape. Those are things that did Nate, not make me look Nathan, like that. Nathan, I'm a fat fuck, and at least my ass holds my fucking pants up. <laughs> okay mm-hmm. let's just put it that way right at least my ass holds my pants up <laughs> yours there's no excuse for that so okay <laughs> 249s and and fucking 203s on m16s um why did they choose that do you know that's brian because i don't i'm asking a legitimate question like if you don't why would know, they choose say, a heavy know. ass <laughs> there's no other options at the time i mean uh m4s looking- Fucking LA five A ones or A twos. Oh, I I don't know about the the length of the carbines and stuff, but I mean, as far as like an M two or three and a sixteen platform, what else is there out there? The H the no, 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 no. I'm talking like, about like what they equipped them with. Yeah, it was just those two, and like that doesn't make sense to me for like an SF unit. Maybe it was the SLP. I don't know. Like that's what I'm asking you. Like, do you know anything more about that than? Yeah, because no, I mean, yeah, I don't either. Like, it doesn't make sense to me to like have a fucking. SAS squad, right? Going out there with a 14 and a half pound, well, with the fucking thing, it's like almost 20 pounds with the 200 round drum on the bottom. And then a, a two or three, it's like, would you not want to have something in between? Or carbines or rifles or, I don't know. It just, it just, it didn't make sense to me. Like, those are the only two weapons platforms that they had. Yeah. Don't know. 
It, dude, it's crazy because it's like it's pre nine eleven. So like we're here yeah, in Saddam's absolutely. Iraq, you know, and like everything is okay. Still. And that's the problem I have with the Iraqi military and the way they're portrayed. Because they're portrayed even even in ninety nine as like yeah yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say just, they looked like the Taliban though. That's the thing. Yeah, but right. Do you see all the references to like the the road of death, like where they're going through everything, and it's like obviously they're all charred and like the one dude in the back of the fucking truck. Yeah, MSR eight. Yeah. It's like, okay, but that was way north. Like, that, the MSR-8 happened in the south. Like, that's, I, I saw the residual of that when I was there. Like, it was, you know, 20 years after, but like, or was it 20 years? Yeah, it was almost 20 years. Yeah, 15 at least. Yeah, yeah but like. Um, Still smell like popcorn so chicken? Jesus, Brian. <laughs> it smelled like. Jesus, beer, Brian. Which is weird. <laughs> But um, Dude, no. Those uh, rounds are fucking. Yeah, depleted uranium. They were all yeah. over us, and then with the burn pit. That, that, that was. <laughs> yeah, people talk about burn pits, but I think that's a red herring. But anyway, you know, like. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Um, the one Oppenheimer. The one, the one thing that was throwing me off, but I actually grew to like it because I think it just made it just stand a little different with that whole fourth person in their monologue. When he's in the prison. He, well, that I mean, it was going through the whole film. But it was, but it really that's, became that's very a fourth. 90s. I know, a but it, it, it became. Like I didn't realize it was going to be a fourth wall break, though, with the whole looking. You're you're actually him in the cell, like that was that was an odd. Take. But you weren't I, him in the cell. You were talking to him in the cell. No, very good fellows. No, no, you yeah. were Sean Bean, looking at his friend in the prison cell. Correct. That's, that that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying. I, I am. You and I are on the same page. I'm just saying, like, yeah, the whole the yeah. whole thing in the beginning of the movie and throughout the movie is that whole narration. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was like it was going to be that kind of fourth wall break near the end. Yeah, there it was occasional. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very. It, and did did those two guys get? Were they let go? Yeah. Okay, nope. I wasn't. I was nope. confused. I was like, "Did they get shot?" Yeah, they were released. <laughs> yep. No, yeah, they were okay. released. No, they were let go, not let go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't gonna talk about the English, the, the fucking egregious English. Oh, fucking dude, that major in the beginning was redubbed I've to never... sound posh. Did you notice his lips didn't match the movie at all? Yeah, I've never heard English people sound that elegant. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, Sean Bean was really hamming it up for the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Bean's too to Yorkshire. What the fuck north. are you talking about? I'm talking about the the dude who gave him his orders in the beginning of the film, the guy with the mustache. If you watch the dialogue in those scenes, he's not the voice does not match with the lips. He's redubbed to sound more posh. Didn't notice that, but yeah, maybe because because every because every because every fucking movie in the British they have to make the officers just make them sound high class. Nate, English. this is when you have to redub Birch. It's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Mister. <laughs> if you do that, I will literally fly to Maryland and execute. Oh, well, it no. doesn't. It doesn't matter because I have no lips to sync up with. So Brian's. Uh, just, I just... happen to come from Sussex. <laughs> anyway, so Wisconsin. They, they, actually, they they redubbed him. I think so. If you take a look at those scenes again, he's like. Well, I watched it I once. Bring, here, I can bring fucking... it up. God damn it. I have it he's on. really all right, he's all right, all right, all right, he's all right. really off sync. Ah. It was free on YouTube. You can pull up the scene for that, but oh, with well, the scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't find it for free. I looked at it. I found a twelve part, a thirteen part YouTube video of like the whole entire movie just broken uh, up in thirteen. You bits. probably missed a punch. 
So it, but he's I, he's redubbed like the whole I officer get lazy thing. At times. The BBC does that though. There's there's a lot of movies like that where they have like the British voice. They want it more posh. I keep why saying posh. because because I, I, because I, I, that, I witness I don't know, I witness a lot of officers in the UK or the British military when I was there that sounded no. Just, like in real every... in, in real life, it's it's not that. I'm just saying, like in movies in general. So they, why do they do in real that, life? Brits don't sound like that. From they the wanna, light, they, from, they, from they light, wanna go, they want to go back a hundred fucking years. From light brigade style yeah. movies where they want to make all the officers doom, dim-witted posh doofuses because it's that whole thing from World War One all the way up. What does the BBC stand for? <laughs> oh, so before it was a reality, now it's a fucking animosity. I think so. I mean, I mean, that's the only thing I can think about. It's like you always have the high, the high level officers, like the captains and the majors. They all sound like posh Brits. I mean, in all media, maybe well, until the last twenty years. But I mean, that's just what I pick up from movies. Well, no, right time. now, if you're if you're if you're a British person listening to this, uh, and you've been in the military, which would be even better. But like, do they actually do that in films? Because I could see why they would do I it. I guess I guess if everyone's coming on their favorite accent, I just like Yorkshire. I like Northern English, and Brian can say they sound like miners and hobos or whatever. But no, well, well they do. That, that's that's south. That's just south of where Mike comes from. Mike like I like Tupnet North. You know, I like that kind yeah. of fucking. Yeah, that's because you don't. You like Peaky Blinders, so. You know. No, that's Birmingham accent. Yeah, it's fucking, Birmingham. More, that's more to fucking the heathen. It's a Birmingham saw, accent. That's completely. That's nowhere West. near no, Yorkshire Northern. I heard a funny joke about Birmingham accents recently. They like either you sound like if you get it wrong, you sound like you're a Pakistani or. <laughs> yes, I, I've I've heard that guy. Yeah, <laughs> they're like yeah, yeah, the yeah, very yeah. very particular parts like uh, like a Liverpool. Yeah, accent's very hard, and, and um, we have a very good friend from Liverpool, and his parents are Liverpool, and they're like Liverpool. It sounds like you're dropping things out of a poo, and it's like <laughs> you're elongating the word. I've seen that video. Like, what you're commenting? Yeah, yeah you can, you can, you, you, if you go yeah, wrong, I've asked a lot of, I've asked a lot of like British people that I know in the past. Like, can you do an, an actual like, like my accent, like a Midwest, a North, like Northern Midwest American it's accent? Funny when oh yeah, and they're like, they had to breathe. Yeah, they have to breathe. Like, exactly. They like, have to get into it. And I'm like, oh, I vote for the Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a McDonald's? Yes, I, 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 I vote for the Trump. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, Or they say, they say their terms and our terms. I'm going to go ring up the McDonald's. Like, no, you're not. He's not I'm going to throw English it term. in the trash. No. You're going to go ring up the McDonald's? Yes. Or are you going to go ring up at McDonald's? The McDonald's. All of them. Um, Remember when we talked a bit on here how the southern accent comes from the British accent? Because southern, southerners love fucking Brits, and they love Brits so much. They love that Brit dick. Well, it's, Brit, it's British and Irish, yeah. They love that Brit dick so much, they had to get it during the Civil War and everything, and you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so great, Ooh. you know. Look, my tradition! You sound like a faggot. Anyway. No, it's my rights, you fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Anyway... Yeah. You're basically yeah, sound, you, know. you sound like them. We fought them. Yeah, you know, we're going to come down there and we're going to take your fucking muskets away. <laughs> we're going to come down there and we're going to change the names of all those bases we put down there. He sounds like, he sounds like, like fucking, oh yeah, Macho man, Randy oh, Savage. Yeah. My name is Macho Randy come, Savage come, and Nathan, I fight I'm for coming. the Confederacy. Nathan, I'm coming oh, down there and yeah. I'm taking away your brag. Now Fort Liberty. Now it's Fort Liberty. So can we talk about can we talk about a little bit of uh, the Iraqi army and the way they're portrayed? Yeah, horrible they are. 
Yeah, they weren't. Like, no, so I know. these guys, yeah, right, right. So can we get into that? Would you mm-hmm. mind that? Yeah. Um, so the Iraqi army at that point had been in visceral combat from 1980 to fucking 1989 or 88, basically, right? With Iran, right? These guys... A lot of them, yes, they were conscripts. They were new conscripts. But their leaders would have been guys who were in the Iran-Iraq war, right? And that's something that a lot of people forget about and or just don't know about, right? The Iran-Iraq, the Iran-Iraq war uh, that lasted through the entire 1980s. And it was like a fucking bloodbath. Absolutely horrible. Trench warfare. In the desert, right? Ill-equipped, everybody. But then the Iraqi army came out of there going, hey, we won. And the Iranian army went out of there going, hey, we won. It's like, so that was not portrayed at all in the first Gulf War. You're talking three years tops. These guys have been out of combat. The leaders have been out of combat. And they're going to act like this. Sure, some of them, but let's let's let, let's just kind of get into focus here. The gear that these guys have been wearing is, for the most part, totally shitty. Because these guys would not have been wearing shamags. They would have had helmets. They would have had Iraqi M80 helmets. Fucking um, steel helmets from other countries that would have sent them aid in the 80s and all that shit. And they would have been wearing, um, ironically enough, British pattern uh, field gear and uniforms. Because Saddam, he he adored Joseph Stalin, right? That was his, he's like, okay, that's what I want to model my leadership style off of is Joseph Stalin. And his paintings. Right. And then since the Brits, well. Sci-fi art from the 70s? What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Kind of. Bad kind velvet of. paintings? <laughs> You're, you're not wrong, Nate. You're not yeah. wrong. Where did Brian, the cross Bri- swords come from? <laughs> Brian, Brian's get, Brian sent Correct. me down a rabbit hole. I think the last Iraqi Ooh. war film we did where it was like, oh, my God, some of those paintings. Like, even Sean has sent me some ridiculous ones yeah, over the years. He would years. show his, like, you are privileged to see this. And it's, like, the most insane, like, Conan the Barbarian, like, you know, yeah. fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. geometric shapes, like, I ever. Did, and I, it's, like, thank you. I, don't... I, I I didn't mean to hijack the conversation. I just I just that. Oh no, but that, that's actually a very yeah. good part of it because it's like culturally. We'll get into that in a second. Bart but like, remind um, me to tell the Saddam uniform story before the end of this. Okay, I know I, I told will. you it before. But... Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay, so Saddam um, loved British because they were there for a long fucking time. Loved British like World War Two and like post World War Two uniforms and equipment. Therefore, he mimicked that and had it made. And that's why I actually do think in this film, they got a lot of that shit right of the gear and the uniforms and stuff. They fucked up a lot of it, but like, whatever. And there was a lot of um, cult personality shit going on with the entire uh, military and like whatever. But also, okay, long story short, I'll just cut it short. They would have been wearing fucking M80 helmets at this point. Oh, you mean the, me what the Dutch wore? <laughs> yes. Yep. 
Bringing yes. it full circle. You're bringing yeah. it full fucking circle. Well, when the Dutch failed to retake Java, all the Javanese sold those helmets to Iraq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And South Korea was the middleman of the deal, so that's how they made the money to make the molds to make their own helmets. <laughs> oh shit. There you go. Shit, man. Blah. But yeah, they would have been wearing they would have been wearing for the most part um Iraqi M eighty helmets. And their military was actually pretty fucking disciplined. Um, again, being the fifth largest in the world at that point that we went in there in 91, um, they, they had a lot of gear that looked a lot different than what was portrayed in this film. How big was their Navy? <laughs> Not very. Iraq <laughs> <laughs> does it. have access to... No, no, they they, they, they definitely do. Yeah, they're, that was they the were actually. Um, yeah, they're not they're landlocked. Not. No, well, they're not. that's uh, the whole reason they took Kuwait. <laughs> no, I know. Correct. I'm I'm trying <laughs> to remember it in my brain, Brian. I <laughs> I'm know. helping you. I, I have photos they, from this. They, they've my, got my about buddy, they, my buddy's father went to a rally. No, sorry. <laughs> they, they've, got, they've got about eighty miles, uh, Iraq, or eighty or one hundred and twenty miles of actual coast, right? Okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. south of Basra, which right. is the southern and easternmost province. And then the whole problem is they had trade problems with Kuwait and everything. See, because Kuwait had a big giant Burger King, and then the Iraqis really wanted that Burger King, so they took over that Burger King. But they weren't allowed to have the Burger King, so they got yelled at by the world that they owned the Burger King. And they had to give it. Back. And the owner of Burger King was George H. W. Bush. <laughs> and I say that as a joke, but also the fact that uh, Kuwait's number one restaurant is Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, here's the thing is it, it, it does not taste the same but it's actually fucking better than oh, u.s burger king so i will I'm say sure. this anybody that ever travels anywhere outside even inside the states but outside the states try fast food that you know from your home country yep. outside because it will taste different like canadian mcdonald's is fucking amazing it tastes way better than american mcdonald's like uh i don't remember how mcdonald's was in europe but like there's little things that's so like it's very interesting. Yeah, because they, so. they use lard first of all. Well, actually, in, in the Middle East, they don't use lard. They use um fucking what the hell is it? Goats. No, it's <laughs> yeah. No, I had a fifty, no, I had a 50, 50 shot they, there. No, no, hey, listen here, penis. They actually use goat cheese. Yeah, which is fucking way better than American cheese. As a Greek, I, yes, I, I do agree with that. Yes, and yes. but I don't know what they the use same for their they squish HPT out of <laughs> for their oil. But like, I don't know what they use for the oil. But like, um, it's fucking delish. It's fucking awesome, and yeah, it's 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 really good. But like, uh, anyway, yeah. So that's how like that's how like the, the first Gulf War kicked off. Is it was all political, and it went back to the twenties, and we don't have to get into that here. But like, it was like it was all about oil and like the um, ability for Iraq to ship oil out of their ports. And then Kuwait said they're starting to take ports. And then the U S backed Kuwait openly. And it was like, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, okay, well, fuck you then. And that's, that's like long, very, very long story short, how that like kicked off, I guess. And then Saddam didn't want to play ball and, there was a fucking war and then he went into Kuwait, which is not good. Like not going to condone that, but like that's, that's kind of how the bullshit happened is po politics. Weird, right? Politics. Yeah, really, starting another fucking war. Really, really, really quick history. This guy the, wants to take over Iran. 
we don't want him to take over Iran. So we overthrow the government of Iran. And it's really cool. And then the people of Iran overthrow Iran. Oh, no. But there's this really cool guy. New kid on the block. Up and coming. He's going to fix all the problems we got. His name is Saddam. So what do we do? Fucking pay him off for like eight years. Just go fight those fucking pig fuckers. Oh, wait. Then it goes bad. Oh, no. They takes over my Burger King. Uh-oh. Hot dog. Here we are. <laughs> so, you know. That's that's a more extensive version of what I said, but that's well, also you know. very... It's very correct. It's not. It's not. It's please, not other. Please, realm. someone fucking animate that, please, please. Dude, well, I, it's not... talk, I didn't even talk about Afghanistan, but I get. I'll, no, well, another, that's that's a totally different real. thing. I guess I. I guess I gotta do that. <laughs> Fuck, Brian. Now it's gonna be a short. God damn. Dude, no, uh, it, it has to be a short because that uh, is no, actually very nineties term. You know, <laughs> that's very accurate. Like yeah. it's very, it's so fucking stupid. And like why we were there and why the SAS were there. In 91, in 1991, is like, it, it was so fucking, again, you send the SAS there, they go, yeah, we're drones, we, we fucking do our thing, we, we're paid to do a job, bam, we'll, we're going to do our job. Okay. Saddam is smart, though. Oh, I have a port problem? Let me just take these ports. Like, you know, it was the, it was the right the thing, thing is, to do if you're Saddam. He, he, like, yeah, you he, he, he could think one hmm. step ahead. You yeah. can't think four steps ahead. That was <laughs> exactly. the problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was the issue. Short-term gains for long-term problems. Like, right. But I'm, I'm not going to knock the man. You know, like Poland 39, bad deal. Kuwait 90, eh, you, you know, you might well, also, have Also, Saddam, he may yeah. not have liked the Kurds that much and may have... Well, that's a different know, story, you know. There's well, a reason not, why, like, okay, the only here's the U.S. Special Forces operation where guys have jump wings is into northern Iraq in 03. Right, and here's the thing is, like, Saddam was a piece of shit. But here's the thing is, we fucking put him there. We fucking put him there. USA. Refer to the Nathan animation that he's USA. USA. Right. (laughs) Let's put this guy in there, and then all started. Or he's killing hundreds of thousands of people? So basically, we have to blame Eisenhower. I, the two the two revolutions they did was Guatemala and Iran. Those are the two CIA operations they did in the fifties that were like have far reaching implications into the future. Thanks, fucking thanks, Ike. That's why Bravo Two Zero was attacked. <laughs> That's why they had a very bad plan, and that somebody brought the wrong fucking files connection to the goddamn fucking. Line. Well, now you got me thinking because we went into both those places. Iran was a lot more messy, and Iraq was a lot more messy, but, like, Nicaragua. Well, Iran during World War II was even really messy. They had to send an armor column there, because they were like, we joined the Axis. No, you don't. What? It's just like, the British have decided that you don't have any play here. Like, because, like, even the Germans actually even dropped Brandenburgers into Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan. I'm sorry, What? Brandenburgers, what their the version fuck? of commandos. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, they're uh, called Brandenburgers. We were talking about fast food, and I was like, "Please tell me, did they drop a German Burger King called a Brandenburger?" They found so- a ton of MG34s. There's a franchise opportunity here, Nathan. <laughs> they found a bunch of MG34s in Afghanistan, and a few of them are linked back to some weapons caches that were dropped. Dude, uh, from the Brandenburgers cool. in 42, 43. I've got fucking, I've got a fucking uh, a K98 bayonet, an early one, a wood, wooden handle one. My dad brought back from Iraq, 
that he found in a fucking BMP2. And that was because they sold a lot of their shit off and they also supplied them during the Second World War. This thing is good looking. It was immaculate. And Iraqi it's like, Mausers are really cool. They have a very cool stamp yes. on, the, on the Mauser yep. and the uh, receiver. It's like the triangle or whatever. But it's very, very okay. Cool. We we okay, Brian and Nate. For our sake, we have to get out this nerd shit. Yeah, we have to start. Let's back keep talking about the fucking. Film. Well, I, Nate just cuts it out, so yeah. We just well, we no, just, I, we just get I, it out I of include some of it, and then and then I fold it back, and then I oh, yeah. It yeah, out but like we're, we're just we're just we're spurging out like we're fucking nerds. Well, we like, also haven't been do we haven't done this. They get the BMP is the laws, right? Um, which they fucking I did I did like that they showed that they missed because you don't always hit on your first target. Um. But then they were out of them because, like, a law is a fucking one-time use thing. So after that, they they start running through the desert. How bullshit is that? Uh, yeah, no, it's fuck. Like I said, you know, this book slash movie just falls short in the areas that are just made up. You know, I mean, and also it's very hard to show that. It's like there's that movie, The Way Back, um, and it's about the Polish officers that escaped. From the PW camp. Very fascinating true story. Um, but, you know, it's just very hard to show that kind of boring passage of time. Those people are getting away from things. You know, so, yeah. And it's interesting, too, how they call their rucks Bergens. Because that's a World War II term. Also, like their Bergens mm-hmm. should have been fucking Woodland DPM. And they were, like, some weird fucking off pattern. You notice that? And they were not, well, they, they were not like, the uh, they were not the 26-liter... Um, actual packs that they would have been carrying, they were something else. And I'm not sure if the SAS got different equipment than the average guys would. So I'm not sure because rucks for the, for special forces shit, especially in this time, usually are all like just civilian bought kind of shit. Ninety six. Um, I'm sorry, ninety six liters, not twenty six. Jesus. Christ. Um. So I'm not sure about that, but they're probably just like South African rucks because the South Africans had so much crazy fucking gear. Um, but the camel pattern you know, is not one that I, I, I could identify or recognize. I don't know, but that would be my guess because I just know from Bush War reenacting that like the they had their own very special versions of P6. They had P68 gear, which is like P58, but it's a little different. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, um, it's nylon. Yep. Yep. No, like, it's been a few years, but there's a lot of subtle nuances. So I would have to say that would be like a South African pack. But other than that, I don't know. We'd have to go on to Camopedia. They'd know. Yeah. So I love that site. Yep. That's amazing. So you ever been on there, Nate? No, I don't know that site. Oh, Camopedia is amazing. If you ever need to look at a camouflage pattern from any country ever, right? you just go to that country and you're like, oh, I need to buy all these now. Like, see, that's the problem is that if I find another niche to collect, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking like be so broke. I've got binders full of shit I don't need. Like, I, I, I just, I know if I were to dive down, I'd be like, oh, I need to get this camo and that camo and this camo. And well, if Nathan camo. found South African camouflage, he'd be sitting there with a sum up his ass because he doesn't ever know what if that's you, like, like. If you ever find me like in a collecting hole. I'm gonna be like be in a room like in my and tidy whitey's like surrounded by like South Vietnamese camouflage patterns. Tidy whitey, <laughs> I don't even want to picture you in tidy whitey. Brian's skinny little well, I fucking that bony I, ass body like sit there in fucking tidy whitey's like spurging out like. I think would I told you my. That? I think I told you my. Uh, oh, I haven't told the podcast this story, but my my uh, favorite realtor story about uh, midlife crisis. 
the long all, story all short. All I know, all I know, all I know about your realtor story is they yuck yuck. This is the oh, head chopping. Chop, chop. Chop, chop, chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chop, chop. yeah. yeah. Which I think you one. have told that one, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We kill a Jap man. Chop, well, chop. This other one was a realtor friend of mine. She was showing this house to this client. And, uh, you know, it was like a bad divorce or something. And it was like, you know, 11.30 a.m. on a Tuesday. And it was like her and this, like, you know, mid-40s chick. She was married. So they went to go show this house. And there's supposed to be a vacant property. Nobody's there. So they're going through the whole house and everything and whatever. And they you know go to like show this uh finished ceiling or attic space and the door's locked that's strange but who cares you know whatever so they go she's like you know pivoting like let me show you this like there's chair molding whatever and then the door opens behind them they're like what the fuck and so they're okay so the realtor goes first and she's like well i'll show you the attic now turning back into a saleswoman and it's like yada yada you and they go up these stairs and it's like a really shittily it's like very it was very nice but now it's like all decrepit and there's like clothes everywhere and shit in the middle of the room there's a guy in tidy whities the owner of the property actually wasn't supposed to be there and he's sitting down at the table with a mountain of cocaine and she's like it was a mountain Oof. of cocaine like you know there's the movie mountain <laughs> and then there's like the mount everest that i saw of cocaine it's scarface and mountain. the guy is just like he, he just says close the door when you're done and just starts doing lines and like doing lines <laughs> and doing lines. And my realtor friend was like, So the house was built in 2019. Like, you know, <laughs> like, and the client was, you could tell they're like, Get us out of here. So she just walked through there very quickly, you know, closed the door, moved on. Like, well, we didn't buy the house. But anyway, so yeah. Dude just fucking have midlife crisis, you know, probably losing the house to his whatever. And just do it. Gonna start cocaine until you fucking die. Dude, listen, it's a Tuesday at eleven thirty in the morning. What else are you gonna do? In you fucking know, New I England. Gotta, I got a mountain of cocaine yeah, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah. So, you know. I just sold my yacht. I got a fucking two hundred pounds of coke. The bitch ain't getting the rest of this. <laughs> I would have sold like, the coke and moved on. Well, that's not how cokeheads think. Just watch a Joey Diaz video about when he was cokehead. I've, no, I've <laughs> definitely watched Joe, Uncle oh, yeah, Joey. You know, the, yeah, the old fucking trick. Yeah, my fucking shoes don't fit. You know, but the, the, the one where he's on basketball and he steals off the fucking roller skates. <laughs> but, you know, it's like people when you're a cokehead, you don't see things. You see money. So it's like, oh, that's a that's a half of an inch. You know, that's speaking a, of cokeheads, Iraq in 1990. See, why could you yeah, see? <laughs> It's anyway, 91. So very 91. Long story 91. Take your GI, Iraq 1990. Listen, <laughs> I'll just finish it with 91. this. You know 91. you're doing good if you don't end up in front of a mountain of cocaine. There you go. Or maybe you're well, doing bad no, if you don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> Brian gets if up you, and gets a mountain of coke. If you don't end up with a, don't a mountain of cocaine in front of you, you have not made it. <laughs> end of story. Like, if I, if I were to sit Get there and, like, my last night were like, you've got a mountain of yeah, cocaine in front of me, and I'm like, oh, I can sell this shit and pay off all my friends' debt and everything? Let's do it. Especially in the 90s, because yeah. you're riding off the 80s, so yeah. And that's before they cut coke with all the horrible coming, shit coming like back. Today. Yeah, fentanyl, yeah. Coming, Good stuff. There was that great, there was that, there was that joke, they were like, fucking, you know, in Goodfellas, like, you know how fucking good coke was back then? You didn't fucking cut it with anything. 
Now it's like all like, mostly like fucking horse tranquilizer and like you know colored fucking candy. Um, so. back to ninety one Iraq. Right, ninety one, ninety one Iraq, ninety one Iraq. How Forward. much coke I'm do you gonna think be a fucking Saddam here. did? Ninety one Iraq. <laughs> Yep. How much coke was in Saddam's mansion? Let's like pull a it lot, back. A, a lot. lot. So there you lot. go. Yeah. Which one though? Yeah. <laughs> I've been you to do? one of them. They're awesome. The palaces. They're oh, awesome. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. I be, I be, I've been in Alfal Palace. It's fucking amazing. It's he had huge. like a season palace. I never knew that. Oh no, he had like multiple palaces. Oh, I know he had mul. I mean, gold bricks everywhere. I've watched Three Kings. They're I not just, real I'm gold just... though. He was a cheap ass. Boy. He was a fucking. He was he, he was basically an influencer now, so like all the marble. Well, I thought it was Dick, it was Saddam doing the floss. No, so here's what Saddam did. I killed a bunch of prisoners today. Dab. Right. No. So he did do that. Okay. Yeah. And he had his little fucking his, his little cronies do it for him because he was too big of a pussy. Fuck you, Saddam. But like, uh, he he's like, yeah, let's just get this palace built. And we're going to put all this fake marble in here. But we're going to make it look like real marble. We don't want to pay for it, though. And he did that. And it was like Alfal Palace. It was all fake marble. There was this fucking, this fucking chandelier. I can send you guys pictures of this later. But, like, I was standing in front of it. It's this big-ass chandelier. It's the you should have taken it's like, it with you. It's, well, I could have. I could have. <laughs> fucking whatever. Be like, so cheap. Be like fucking, dude, no, be like the you, Americans no. in Germany. Just take no, no, everything. No, no, no. Nate, you joke about that now, dude. Show shows this year. There's a ton of fucking Saddam Hussein, like. Because uh, oh, all that shit's cropping up now. Mansion finds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everyone's 20 years old. Fucking yeah. Diet Coke gave me cancer, whatever the fuck. You know, like, right. trying to sell all their shit. Right. And, um, <laughs> like, you know, it's crazy what's coming out now. Like, what guys stole. And they have photos of them. T- like, here's the <clears> camera. <throat> like, you know, the point and shoot I had from CBS of me right. with him the next banner to the in going the like house. This. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some great footage of it. It's like, you know, here's like the Michigan National Guard defending, like, Udu's Palace. It's a bunch of like you know guys from Detroit, like yeah man, we're fucking in hell, yo. And it's like, this dude, is that 2003, fucking, like what the fuck? Right, and like yeah. the fucking thing is like, had I lot not had I not lost my hard drive, my external hard drive, I would have had about three quarters more pictures than I do currently. Mm-hmm. But there's a picture of me pissing in one of the fucking quote unquote gold plated fucking <laughs> toilets. I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> ah, like fuck you, yeah. I had to piss, so I was like, I was going to piss in there, and I did. But, like, there was a picture of that, and it was, like, amazing. Did he have any of that, like, at least we're on the same, at least somewhat subject. Did he have any of those crazy pictures in the in the one that you went into? What crazy pictures? Like, like all of his crazy well, The velvet art stuff. was stolen long before that. There oh, was yeah, all that, all that shit. shit but... Yeah, all, okay. all that shit was, like, gone way before I got there. Oh, okay. yeah. It, dude, that was 03. It was, like, all that yeah, shit. I was there in 09, yeah. Remember. Oh, okay. In every single army, there's an adjutant. Right, I keep forgetting your own nine and not like oh five. I don't know why in my brain right. I thought that. Even then, it was all looted. But there's an adjutant somewhere who his job is to find the best property to set up the headquarters. And there's so many of that government mansions and shit. When you're sweeping through a city like Baghdad, it's not long before headquarters gets made and then things get stolen. You know, well, that's it's the, the same thing in Germany in 1945. I mean, it's exactly, the same yeah, shit. but, but it's, it's exactly it's, the same. Yeah, thing, exactly yeah. happens. So yeah, so it's that's like why oh. there's a fucking dry sill on my fucking desk because some guy just grabbed it. Like that's yeah, what and that's why yeah, fucking yeah. some art that Saddam used to fuck women under is now in some guy's house in Idaho. Right, like this <laughs> yep. fucking right, what happened? Right, right, right. You know? Was well, this so cool? <laughs> it, it was still it was still a working fucking like actual military post, and there was like generals and shit that would walk past me. I'm like, a oh, good afternoon, sir, and everything. But like, 
it was like it that should have been looted fucking years before I got there. Is there before we launch the IMFDB? Is there anything else you guys want to pull up? I mean, unfortunately, yes, this has some good quality and some things like like we said with the Gentleman Act. But the problem is, is that it's more action driven, and it's more of the BBC type of action driven. And even though I appreciate the can't the editing and 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 the time period of when this movie was made, it's made in ninety nine. And this felt more like a 95 kind of feeling. Yes. Um. So it's like, it's weird to see it in 99 because it was probably a BBC TV movie, just like how Sharps were, you know, with most of their mm-hmm. stuff. Sharps Rifles and... Which Vex is fucking State, awesome. Which series. is awesome. I'm not, I'm not batting Sharps Rifles. Oh, yeah. But it's like, like, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah like, I know. So. I like, I, 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 I don't think it, it degrades it at all. It's just, you know, it's just... You know, can we can we make something that is just you know for ninety nine you expect it just to be a little bit more polished because around the same time you have behind enemy lines and all that kind you, of stuff where it's more you know big. you asked for what art I like oh and did I you send it. me I also sent you a link with like all of them so you can okay. choose but I sent you my favorite okay thank you I'll, I'll, what if I'll Conan ask, the Barbarian had a space blast I'll ask Sean for his because Sean Sean's so. is more ridiculous Sean's had like some weird Oh, dude, Crazy no, no, no. I sent you the link. I see you have all of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could probably... Oh, that's the one that Sean likes. It's that one. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, oh what if Conan the Barbarian had a space blaster? <laughs> and like, I, dude, th- these were like uh, in his sex dungeons. Yeah. So it was like, let me bring girl to show you what the West is. AR-15. Orders... Um. Yeah, I remember we were talking about this stuff for uh, the other desert. I think it was the other desert storm movie, or it might have been um Black Hawk Down. Like someone had these. Um, oh yeah, this is definitely Black Hawk. Yeah. It's funny. This is uh two years before Black Hawk too, so it's that funny like you know late nineties. Again, it's like the pinnacle of its era in a way. Right. Of films. And then things got really polished for two years, and then they get really polished and gritty, and then it goes really gritty. <laughs> the Cobra CM203 flare launcher, yeah, the civilian, but like the 37 mil. Uh, that looks like a fucking 203. Well, they filmed it in fucking um, South Africa. I think it would would be a real 203, but I'm not too versed on them. It, it looks like a fucking 203, like the the. The camouflage, by the way, it looks great on the weapons. Yes. Yep. yep. Very well done. Rattle canned. But like what what also, camouflage were they wearing, by the way? That's just Desert DPM. It's the two-color tone that they wore up until about 2009. Okay. And what um, does DPM stand for, Mike? Destructive Pattern Material. Ah, the most British fucking term ever. <laughs> no, but like they're, they're actually, when it fades a little bit, it fucking works great. Oh, DPM's great. Yep. When it's because you guys were talking about that with um, ungentlemanly act, how good the camo was on the idea. Yeah, that was pattern sixty eight though. This is pattern eighty, whatever the fuck it was when they came out the desert shit. When did the first DPM desert DPM come out? Uh, Is the eighties if I remember correctly? Interesting. Because it was just a two tone and like there was sixty eight, then eighty four, then eighty eight. Well, that was woodland. Yeah, I know. And so so I'm just desert. I think Desert was I, I, I God damn I wish I had Devin on here but like Chip was a seventies thing. 
or 67s thing, you know, made it. Right, but it just never got adopted until 83. Well, I, I just wonder if the, it was the same kind of development, though. It's like, oh, Israeli. I'm not sure. Ah! No, I'm not know? sure, yeah. I'm not sure at all. Camopedia. But. GTA oh, I didn't see you. I guess in real footage. Oh, oh, yeah. So That's cool. Yeah, I oh. forgot to mention that there. Oh, it's a Saudi to, guy. That's yeah, a Saudi I soldier. To, I forgot to talk about that. How they actually used the real footage. That was cool. I like yeah. how it yeah, started. Yeah, they, they did. That. Yep, yep. And that's a Saudi. Looks like a Saudi soldier. I think I speak for all of us, but I think we all love that '90s, like, you know, look, mm-hmm. aesthetic. It's very in right now with like zoomers mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's like I, I remember seeing TV like that. Like, that was normal. Yeah, I saw this shit, like, when <laughs> yeah. I was a fucking tiny wee one. What? A Vector R4? What the fuck? Oh, the magazine did look fucked up. Huh. Huh. So they mocked... How the fuck... Oh, they were in South Africa. That's why. That's why. Yeah. 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 They had oh, tru- shit. Yeah. They had trouble back then. They couldn't get really KZ velvet Yeah. That was the 80s yep. thing. Like, if you look at the original Red Dawn. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. That's cool. Shit. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. They did a good Makes job. sense. Makes sense. Yeah, very. Mm-hmm. That's like I, I thought the, I thought like, the mags yeah. looked odd, I was, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. Because I thought, I thought that, that they were like 74s, like a variant. Oh, like, you could totally see it. Yeah, look at Yeah, right there. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, late uh, '90s South Africa, you think you'd be able to get actually K's? I guess most of them were probably this. locked up or destroyed at that point. Yeah. Really random. Before you go on, Nate, I had a buddy yeah. of mine. He went to Ethiopia because he's very good friends with the Ethiopian um, <coughs> ambassador, mm-hmm. and he went out to the country, right? And he's a big AK guy and stuff. And he was looking at all the AKs and shit that he came across because it's, you know, there's a bunch of random shit. Like I have a rifle and it's a six-year-old AK. They were all like fucking late fifties, early sixties, type one, type two, milled, stamped, like super duper early kits that out here would be worth tons of money. Mm-hmm. But because it's like the rifle that's been in Ethiopia for sixty years that they just had, it's just the rifle. But it's like it's just insane, like you know what you find like it's like imagine finding some random dude in Croatia with like an STG. You know, right. it's like what the fuck? He goes, Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> just had this thing. So but it's just interesting that the very early AKs that live on in Africa. Oh, yeah. All over the world. It's like, they don't oh, shoot yeah. good. It's like, they need to be rebarreled. Like, yeah. That's, that's yep. it. The smooth bore, that's about it. Yep. Or the mini-me. Yep. Mm-hmm. 249. They got really fucked up stocks. Original mini-me's. Yeah, the full ones aren't any better. Like, they really mm-hmm. weren't. Like, but you can see it. You can see how the saw stock was a lot better. Mm. I I liked more, all yes more rigid. No. I liked yes all, no. I liked in terms of the British stuff. It looked like everything was really top. Like it seemed like it to the T. To my untrained eye, it looked like everything was kind of nailed. They looked down. put together. That's what I liked yeah. about them. Yep. And yeah. I don't know enough about this to like critique their gear and everything like that. So, mm-hmm. I don't but know. you can but you can tell when something is not it, when it right. looks when it looks put together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and these guys actually trained like, on like for gear. example, the Iraqis, the, the especially the first skirmish in the open, like that doesn't look right to me. Well, their language was really fucked up too. Like it wasn't it wasn't Iraqi Arabic. It was it was either extras that were South African or whatever. It was not Iraqi Arabic that they were right. speaking. 
Well, and, and again, it's like that looks fucked up to my eye, so I know it's fucked up. Versus the British, I thought everything looked good. So yeah, yeah, and so we could be wrong, but like yeah, to what we know. Yeah. The rear sight's a little bit different than I had, but, like, that's also a mini-me. It's not a fucking 249. Right. Yep. It's a little different. Yep. Hmm. Hot. That's what I was just wondering, like, why they're all carrying... Because, like, the, the mini-mag is still 14 and a half pounds. It's a fucking heavy weapon, dude. And when you got the box and there were 200 rounds... It's like almost 20 pounds. And so why were they sending these guys out there with those and also having to carry a shitload of HE uh, 203 grenades, 40 mic mics? Like, why would you not want them to be lighter? That's just what I don't understand. So if you're listening to this, like, post in the comments, like, if I'm missing something, like, why they would do that in this doctrine in the uh, early 90s for SAS guys. So... No idea what that is at all in my life. Uh, it says Browning <laughs> M2 H. What the fuck is this? It's Dishka. <laughs> it's not a Dishka. It looks different. I think everything, I think almost every single time period past 1940s Those has this gun in their movies. It's like in Land Rovers driving that hangar at the exact same time. It's like really. That scene? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's like perfectly timed. Huh? Oh, yep, stuck through the center. right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you would not have an RPD in a fucking position like that. Like, come on. Well, I mean, isn't that, that looks like a bow gunner position. You can, but you, yeah. you, you don't. can, but like the RPD is, it was way that's, outdated during that's, Vietnam. That's in, they were great in Vietnam. But no, they were outdated though. Like, they, no, they were not. Like the the NVA and Viet Cong guys always bitched about the belt fed system with the magazine. Like oh. they were like either have it. Mag- like they, they'd love the RPK. Brian retort. Absolutely. You made a face retort. We need to have another K ninety eight battle. It's fine. No, no it's not. It's good. not a battle. It's just fucking. <laughs> from what I've read, is they didn't like the RPD as much as they liked the RPK because of the magazine fed aspect versus the belt fed i did see this in the uh i didn't in, see the base at all yeah i saw that i, th- I thought it was a zb37 what the fuck but i didn't know it was the base so i thought it was a zb37 really? or whatever the fucking uh <laughs> Czechoslovakia. they do look similar yeah bases in 37 yeah but like no that no 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 what the front end looks very similar the, no, no 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 i'm saying the iraqis would not have fucking oh there's no way they'd have yeah no there's no fucking way Oh, you're saying that they would have a base up, you mean? Or fucking... Oh, okay. I was going to say, what do you mean the ZB-37 doesn't look like a base? Are you fucking... No, 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 I know, I know, I know where I got, where you were going. I was, that was my retort of what the hell are you talking about. Just like fucking Christ, like, I'm just there looking at the pictures, I'm like, no. Okay, a toke, a TTC, it's not a TT-33, but a Looks like a Chinese... That actually looks like a Yugo M57. Yeah, something like that, yeah. But, like, it's, it's a TTC. It's not a TT-33. Yeah. Let me TTs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a few of them here. They're fun. Hey, yeah, Nathan, what, what, what gun is this? 
It's not it's not a Kyber Pass uh, Webley thirty eight. Well, that's, that's for a damn hammer. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm gonna do with it when I get the fucking thing. Also, for for the Webley, very accurate because the Brits left a ton of shit. Pretty much Iraq. wherever the Brits go, they leave a ton of yep. Webleys until so, the last. There you go. End of Empire. Whoops. Yeah. The CM two hundred three. <laughs> nice little dig. Fuck them. The launcher by itself. That's kind of how you shoot it, but it's not. Compass is a cool touch. Also, no, no, hold on. Okay. It is a cool touch, but he took his fucking trigger guard off the 203. Not good. <laughs> I think he has it on earlier. Right here. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but look, like, look at the poster. No, he took the trigger guard off. What are you What are you talking about? It, look in front of the magazine. There's no gate. Oh, that's the trigger for the two hundred three. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. I thought you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Sorry, sorry. The Stenag thirty round magazine for your M sixteen becomes your pistol grip for a two hundred three. Yep. Okay. You hold it like this. And so. yeah, you don't ever take that fucker off because it's stupid. <laughs> oh, you can, but you know. it's a heavy trigger. But like, still, like, why the fuck would you do that? Because that was because in Vietnam they had the uh, what the XM one sixty eights or whatever it was, and, and they the two hundred threes at the very they end. had they had the trouble well earlier than the very end, but they had yeah. trouble with the fucking thing on the side, so they had to put the whole gate. That's the reason they made them, right? Seventy two long. These also would have been A ones, but eh. or A twos actually. In ninety one, they would have been A twos, but. 72 law, the only law you'll ever see. <laughs> A bent front end. I saw that earlier. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's props that can beat the shit, so. Because laws are pretty fragile by themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a fucking and one You never time. see them with, like, carrying ends. Because that's, that's always cool to see. A228 Grom. BMP. We had a BMP at RBZ, and we used to play, and it was actually a golf ball captured piece. They're very interesting tanks. Very cramped, but... Actually, not even really... They're cramped. fucking retarded. <laughs> they're pretty cool. They're... they're so Soviet armor goes. Yeah, but they're made for, like, guys that are five foot five and fucking... Very nimble. All all armor is. I mean, I was going to say, all all, <laughs> yeah. all armor is. Well, APCs, like, yeah, I mean... Me being 6'2", I was always the tallest you could ever possibly be to get in a tank. Like, if anybody's taller than me, then you're just... Right, that's the thing is, like, when I get into a tank, I'm like, fuck this. I yeah, can't do this. You're like, you, yeah, you're, you're, and also I'm fucking huge. I'm an ogre, so it's mm. like, I, there's not enough space. Yeah, Brian's turret. got a stick body, so he might be too tall, <laughs> but he can actually get in turret, the hatch. So. Turret on a BMP is actually very spacious compared to all the other. And Sean's, Sean, like, pushed himself into a T-72, and he could barely fit. And that motherfucker is skinny. Yeah, but he's also, like, he's, like, six foot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like, yeah. he's mean, got the height. He's got the height. He's just not as skinny as Brian. No, he's I'm, built more. But like, still, it's like when you're, when you're like past five foot. <laughs> yeah, Brian's a string. I've told we, we discussed this a million no, times. No, I know, I know, I know, and I know. I, I've seen and, the Holocaust like, body. I know. Like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Seen, yes, I've seen what the Germans have done. Okay, it's fine. yes. <laughs> oh fucking Christ! <laughs> beautiful, oh, beautiful. Yeah, you know, before the war, I was a pianist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> Shots fired. The fuck's with the cut? Uh, yeah. So, but an AZB six S sixty. I don't know what the I fuck. I have that no is. fucking clue. Yeah, what that no is. idea. Yep. Uh, 
<laughs> Bofer is the 40 millimeter. Bofer, these nuts. Sorry. <laughs> I do that every time. I'm, I'm, dis- I'm disappointed in you, Nathan. Every time that I always go, Bofa, Bofa. I'm disappointed in you, Nathan. I really am. Look, I gotta like I gotta stay hip, okay? You know, we gotta be with the cool kids now. Mm. Also, the helmets they were wearing were not fucking Iraqi M80s. This looks like almost because they like were M1. Dutch M80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won't get into like what I think they were because there's no good pictures right, to be honest. Yeah. But like, they were not Iraqi M80s that we talked about. The Dutch should have just given this to them for their film, and vice versa. Oh shit! Yes, the Dutch should have given. England, Iraq. It all have gone a lot easier. Well, we should have just... Europeans should have just never meddled in there to begin with. But that's a very controversial opinion, I oh, guess. Oh, there's only one group of countries in the world that has straight-line borders. It's strange. I wonder why. Huh. They're all next to each other. Strange. It's like it's um, drawn on a globe. Anyway. Final thoughts. So we can end this and all get... Brian's hitting a wall. I can tell. <laughs> Brian's hit the tired wall. It's nine o'clock. Brian's tired. I've been up since five thirty. So, uh, Nate, you lead us into this. Oh Jesus. Okay. Um, I mean, I his I, name's I, Brian. It's not Jesus. <laughs> That's the middle name. My middle initial is a J. By the way, it can make that work. Brian Jesus. Yes. Mc- Brian. <laughs> Sit down when you. Something by God, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's just Brian fucking wrap this Jesus bitch up. Irish. Yeah. Michael, you, how about you go first? <laughs> Very good points. Wow. Nathan, what do you got to say? <laughs> I'll cut him in around. Um, well, like I say, uh, had some interesting things going for it. Um, thought all the actors were pretty good. Uh, I. Um, I liked some of their bantering and stuff like that. It felt pretty authentic, and just in terms of these guys bullshitting and shit like that. The the the, the dialogue was really yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the action, I that was kind of when I would check out. Honestly, like I was just I the sound effects were terrible. This was like sound effects that I would hear in like Point Break play. Well, like there were sound effects in this that I recognized from like PlayStation One games that I played back in the day. You know, just like. The, some of the machine guns and you know the just other sound effects i'm like really you're using that sound effects you got that library um but uh so that was kind of what pulled me out of it yeah that whole thing where they shoot up that place at the night nighttime and guys with ak's or or whatever are falling down shooting them as they're falling down and stuff like that it seems very action movie at that point <laughs> a lot of, yeah a lot of hands up in the air yeah and uh the most interesting stuff was the uh pow stuff um in my opinion, but um, now that I know that the story is, you know, kind of bullshit, but uh, so it's like, oh, now I want to know even more about what the actual story is. You know, maybe I'll check out that documentary now. So uh, and if a movie can do that, can get you interested, as we always say, then that then it deserves some points. So I think I'll give this a, I don't know, six out of ten. So, yeah, it was OK. Um, not too bad for a. Is this, a, is this a BBC production? I think it is. It's a it, uh, it's a TV. Yeah, it was a TV movie originally. Yeah, so not too bad. But anywho, that's my. Those are my thoughts. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Very good points for Michael. So. Yeah, I I I've been quiet on this only just because I don't I don't have much of the history. To, a little to, louder. 
I don't know everything. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but but no, but I mean to talk about it in terms of like you know, in terms of you know what I can chime in on is like you know it's very nineteen nineties BBC television movie. Um, but you know I big butt I, cock. Big <laughs> yeah. Television? BBC yeah yeah television yeah yeah two girls one cup anyway the <laughs> are we in Birmingham yeah the um. <laughs> god damn it all right so but but in in terms of the editing and the stuff i mean like i you know mike mike a it says something about you know the sound effects and how they're crappy and i I mean i just i just kind of look at as as the time period for for these tv movies you know it's it's part of the the theme for me i mean but but the thing is that really does stand out with me in this this with this movie is the dialogue actually some of the the dialogue i didn't hate like some of it's cheesy because it's meant to be you know comedy a little bit of a little haha a little bit of this a little that but the banter it's not like it's not like fucking hyena road banter where it's like oh my god you'll never say that in your history of the life like no 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 so it just i i didn't it didn't it, it i i liked this movie it, it there was a bunch of things i i do think it's very actiony hands up in the air ah, fall over gas tanks you know flame night battle this kind of stuff, this trope, that trope. So I, I think what we said before, where it's like you know, it's it's ungentlemanly act in a, with a bigger budget, but I think it's lower caliber. Um, that's just me where I sit on that. So, um, liked all the acting, nothing was horrible to me. So I think I'm gonna give it like a seven out of ten. Screen Mel Gibson's, I, I think that's decent. Um, you know, I, 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 I really like Sean Bean, so that was a plus. But you know, it's, it's. I feel like it's it's ungentlemanly act level of of stuff on a higher caliber on a higher budget, but just lower in just everything else. Um, but I enjoyed it. So yeah, no, very well said, Nate. Um, it's a very interesting movie. It was made at a very interesting time, and I definitely agree with everything you have to say about it. You know, it is like. Um, a worse version of an ungentlemanly act after doing all the research and, you know, looking into it and stuff like that. My opinion is that this movie can be summed up in one quote, all dressed up and no one to blow. It's like, you know, meaning that the thing that this film suffers from the most is the, the source material and the plot. This film could have been really awesome if it just was about something else. Because you can see they had the production ability. You could see that they had the good uniforms. You could see that they had the places to do it. It's just they were trying to make this thing that was a convolution of real and fake into a story. And this goes to show that, you know, the narrative just doesn't work. It's just it's all over the place. And it might work as a book when you read it because you don't see it all there in once. But when you make it into a movie, it just looks stupid. So I feel like that's the biggest problem with this movie. If this was about any other SAS team or whatever that they, you can come up with, like if a writer made the story, I think it would be a lot better. It would be like Three Kings, but not shit. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just feel like that's where this movie suffers. It's just, it's so good in so many ways. But the one thing that ties together all the crap, in my opinion, is just the very weak narrative and plot. Nate? No, I was just gonna say like with with my score and judgment, 
I was, and I know he kind of hinted at it, but not. But like, I'm definitely keeping whether this is a true story or not, or the or the fiction that was blown up or overblown or whatever. I'm trying to, I'm keeping that out of my score, and mainly as, you know, did it wasn't it was it wasn't a movie that I found entertaining? Yes. Was it a movie that I found that had its flaws? Yes. I'm trying to keep the whole knowledge of is it an overblown fictitious story out of my head because it's coming from one source and not knowing enough about it to be like, not like when we do like, let's be fair, our World War One and World War Two quadrants, we tend to look at the real history and judge it on that as well. Um, so this is kind of like a weird in between, I feel like for my score, I don't know about your score, but like that's, and I, you kind of mentioned that you said like between fiction and, and real and stuff like that. Like, I'll, so I'll say that the, Places that are shitty in the movie make sense why they're shitty when you know the backstory. Yeah. So even with knowing what I know about the story, just the those parts of the film just lack. You could tell that they're just, you know, not how they should be. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like they're forcing something to happen. And that's because they're forcing something that didn't happen to happen. Right. So it's it's a recreation. It's a realistic recreation of a fake event. So like when you're forcing that, obviously it's going to feel forced. And then you get a Hollywood production or whatever. So it just it just hurts. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh. but it's like you have all these vehicles, you have all the stuff, you have all these things you have. Like if you just if they just pull themselves out of the, the box of this is a real story. Oh, OK. Then it, it, it could have been such a better film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if they just remove that caveat. But that's just what I feel like it suffers from. It's 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 unfortunate. It's got nothing to do with them. But, like, they were chasing the dragon, <laughs> in lieu of a better term. You know, they, they couldn't have gotten what they were trying to get. But they did a really good job of trying to do what they were trying to do, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, you know... Um, it just felt a little shallow at points, and that's because this that's what it was. But that being said, it's its worth a watch. It's interesting. There's not a lot of Gulf War movies out there, especially from the Commonwealth perspective. Um, so I would give it, at the end of the day, a 6.5, just with a heavy grain of salt of knowing this is a pre-9-11, you know, late 90s movie. Just knowing what it is and why it exists, you know, um, and going forward with that. Just like... Um, behind enemy lines same kind of thing like you know oh this is this is what 2000 should have been if we didn't have terrorism and <laughs> you, know? you track suit russians yeah <laughs> exactly serbs right. or whatever the fuck it was yeah how do you know he has that tattoo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so i'd give this like i said a, a 6.5 out of 10 so good statements um yeah it's uh <clears throat> overall like I said at the beginning, it, it told it told a story about what happened during Desert Shield, um, which is never talked about, which I respected. Um, I did know a little bit, not of this specific team, but I did know of you know a lot of SAS guys, SEALs, and everything, special forces going in, taking out Scud sites and everything, or trying to before um, Desert Storm actually kicked off to mitigate uh, casualties on the Coalition side. Now, this one, I'm pretty sure it was a true story because these guys did get captured 
They got tortured. They got the fuck tortured out of them. And I didn't want to spend much time on that because I don't like torture at all. I think it's very fucking barbaric. I think it's stupid. I think it's pointless as well. Um, so I'm glad we didn't spend a lot of time on that because it's really fucking stupid. That part's real. That all happened. Yeah, I know, it, I know it did. That. And that's, 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 that's why I didn't want to touch on it too much. It's just I believe it. And yes. I well, thought they portrayed it, it very well. I, I think what it, it, it accumulates into my yep. score as well, but I didn't want to really touch oh, yeah. on it. So I, I think well it, I honestly like um, from what I know from um, firsthand accounts is like it would have been a lot worse than what they portrayed. Um, talking bamboo shoots up the fingernails and shit like that and just fucking up the piss hole, like putting, you know, things are really fucking bad. They didn't want to show in the film and I respect that. But um, yeah, I don't condone torture for anybody right um i don't care how bad you were i think the biggest torture is sitting in a fucking cell and i don't whatever so anyway that part aside um i do know these guys uh were captured and they were tortured mercilessly and then they ended up making it home somehow you know most of them and it's like okay it's fucking insane now would i have liked it to be historically accurate of course because that's the kind of nerd that I am and you guys are. However, if you're trying to get a message across, you can't always be historically accurate. And with the books that were written, and you know, people can contest that, and they can say, no, this wasn't accurate, this was accurate, this wasn't, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But as long as the story's out there, at least it, it sparks a conversation. And um, I think this is a conversation that's rarely, if ever, had especially with the British involvement in the first Gulf War. Like, it's always like, you know, Schwarzkopf and the fucking second armored cab and the fucking, you know, whatever, going in and just fucking shit up in Desert Storm, right? It's never about what went into the lead up to Desert Storm. Jarhead touches on this um, with Desert Shield, like they're bored, they're sitting out there, the infantry Marines, blah, blah, blah. But it never really gets into the details of like the guys that were actually operating on the ground during Desert Shield in 1991, late 90, I should say. And um, so for that, I do respect it. Now, the action scenes, fucking stupid. Fucking ridiculous. Oh, you know, the moaning, like the fucking, oh, I'm falling over. No, come on. I get it. It's 1999. You don't want to do that shit, but c- Jesus fucking Christ. You're telling you're telling a hardcore story already or already rather. And you're not going to like, just go the extra, not even mile. It's like a couple feet just to like show what it's like. So that took a lot away for me is the action scenes. Cause they were just that they were action scenes. Okay. Fuck it. So you go from storytelling and the action scenes, Overall, yeah, the equipment and everything, again, I'm not going to rag on that or praise it because I don't know what SAS guys would have been carrying in 91. I don't know. So, looks okay to me. They're wearing DPM, the desert version, the arid version, and cool. Uh, Their weapons, I had a question about that, but that's already been stated. Um, So, overall, like with the combat and everything, and the Iraqi army was just terrible. They were, they, were, they were doing the whole wave charges, like the stereotypical fucking shit. No, the Iraqi army's not going to fucking do that. 
like I've talked to guys who fought the Iraqi army, like actually in battle, like in the first Gulf War. And they're like, no, they actually like use tactics because they were again in combat for the past 10 fucking years. And so their leaders knew how to teach them tactics, bounding, firing. I did like that part too. When they were bounding, there were some tactics that were shown on the British side. Cool. But overall, uh, it felt very short. All that being said, um, just overall. And so, all right, I'll stop ranting. I'm going to give it a 6.2 out of 10. Putting all the scores into the computer that will tell us if Saddam will come back as a cyborg robot and take over Wisconsin. Oh, he did. He did. Get, well, you know, cyborgs. He like did. He did. Thanks, Cole. So, that being said, we get a score of 6.4 cyborg Saddam Hussein's out of 10. Yeah, it, so. it's not like I would tell somebody to not watch it, but it's also like like we were saying. Like, That's about the consensus on, IMF, on IMDb is um, a 6.7. Okay. So that's, that's, that's pretty funny, actually. It got very close. Yeah, it's... Um, it's an interesting movie. You know, again, it's it's one that's worth watching, but like I said, in my opinion, it's just like what could have been. Well, and like the, the thing is like we've seen a lot worse for sure. Oh, but we've like, also seen a yeah. lot better. Yeah, and you know? the production the the talent and the production value was there. But yep. the one thing that was lacking was the source material. And just the, yes. the trying to make an omelet out of grapes. And it's like, right, bro, it's like, well, you need, you could, you're doing a really good job with those fucking grapes. You could do but it. You know what? But you need one eggs. Thing you're missing. You gotta have eggs. Yep. Yeah, you gotta have eggs. You get, you you get really. Eggs. These are the best grape omelets I've ever had. You know, like. And hey, here's but, the thing: is you, you could pull that shit off. Yeah. But you need the ingredients. You know, it's and, funny. Yeah. Your your one liner of uh, all dressed up and no one to blow. That's from Lethal Weapon. So if we want to bring it back to South Africa for Lethal Weapon Two, that's, that's how funny. it all ties that is together. Lethal Weapon, interesting. Yeah, it's in Lethal Weapon One. We're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get Jonesy on for that one. Yeah, you though. gotta get yeah you gotta get Chris oh back on here for that. Uh, yeah. Is this thing fucking working? <laughs> Shit! Uh, can you guys hear me? Can you guys? Are you all right? On that bombshell, thanks for your time. Oh, sure, we're still recording. Next week. <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, right. Oh wait, I, I, I do want to say one thing before we go. So, have you guys ever seen a scud? No. In real life, no. Yeah, no. I have. So the museum that I ended up uh, being a part of later on in my museum career, whatever, they got the Jacques Littlefield collection donated to them, which was the biggest armor collection in the world. And long story short, Jack Littlefield bought two scuds from China. <laughs> Literally, he bought. He, there were two demilled scuds in the late '90s, and they just showed up. And he got a phone call from the government one day saying, uh, "We need you to come down to the port." He lived near San Francisco. Like, we need to come down to the port. And he's like, "Okay." They're like, "Do you know what you bought?" And he's like, "Yeah." They're like, "Do you really know what you bought?" He's like, "Yeah, two scuds." And like, it was a whole thing. So long story short, he had them at his museum. And because the government didn't own any of their own scuds, like whenever they needed a reference photo, they would just send a guy to his museum. So oh, I, I, shit. Yeah. I'd have friends there that would be working on stuff and doing things, and like a black like car would show up. We two guys like suits and be like, "Yeah, we gotta take a photo or something." Like, okay, and like take apart a panel, like pull this thing apart, and it's like a wire connection. Like, okay, thanks. Long story <laughs> short, 
that museum went, went under. Jacques Littlefield ended up passing away. They sold off a bunch of the armor to make this new museum that I'm kind of a part of. And they sold one of the scuds. Do you know who bought it? The government. Yep. The US government <laughs> for the reference collection. That's funny. So one of the scuds is at the museum. They, they, there was a tracked scud and it was a wheeled scud. So they still have the wheeled yeah. scud because it's less maintenance. And it's in the museum. It's pretty cool. It's like halfway erected in the middle of everything. And then the government owns the track scud as their, their reference. But it, it was pretty funny. It's like, you know, you've been hanging out, working on stuff. And then like, here, oh, here comes the FBI. And we, we need a photo, you know? Like, That's not FBI, it's CIA. It was CIA, but, uh, but like, you know, a little like, yeah. you know, 90s like point and shoot camera. Like, oh yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> you know, what? I need to get a number off of a connection. Like why? You, you, you don't want to know. This like, <laughs> is pretty funny story. But they're pretty, they're very impressive. Um, you know, it's basically like a fucking 18-wheeler, but with a giant missile the size of the 18-wheeler on it. So, you know, they're very akin to V2s, and you can see why they were so deadly. Um, but they're very impressive. You know, it's like, that's not something to... Scud is a word that's thrown around a lot. And it's like, until you really know what you're talking about, it's like, okay, this is, this is something to take serious. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention the Scud story. So, on that bombshell, we'll uh, see you guys next week. <laughs> Literally, literally on that bombshell. Every soldier hopes for a major war in their lifetime. This one was mine. (laughs) Truth. All right. All right. And then there's Birch uploading all the code to Tel Aviv to the fucking computer. About a fucking Israeli! Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.